Good morning. It is Monday, July 12th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last checked in, the official rainfall total in Waterloo, Iowa, get this, Jim, 0.14 inch. God, that's about what the Nationals are batting. (laughs) We'll get to that here in just a moment. I think we had just a touch more than that outside of the bunker here, but not much more. And what we did get is used up by now. Well, what's the market outlook? Are they... they're looking at a chance for rain tomorrow into Wednesday. Um, there's there's not a lot of chance for rain in the northern production areas. I'm telling you, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, when you look at it as a percent of normal rainfall over the last 30 days, way behind, dude, way behind. Yes. Markets overnight, corn just slightly higher. I'd call it one to two and a half cents higher. Beans, uh, the new crop contracts, two to three cents higher. That was it. So they're going to want proof from USDA survey. So it could be a while, but uh, I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm hearing what you're signaling that this uh, outside of the traditional corn belt, but the expanded yeah. corn belt, especially in the Dakotas, they're hurt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, that rain event that's supposed to happen when uh, Tuesday into Wednesday it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of organization to it either, Jim. It's going to be a scattered event. But Eastern Belt, still soggy. Really great conditions on a lot of corn crop over there. Uh, the bean crop's in pretty good shape. The East Coast, still wet, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the West Coast is hot. They're still very hot. Death, really Valley hot. Is, Death Valley is living up to its name. It certainly is. Triple-digit temps through the middle of this week at least. And what's not hot, you already mentioned it. Neither the Cubs nor the Nationals are hot at this time. Cubs go into the All-Star break having won just two of their last 10 games, two games under 500, third place in the NL Central, eight, eight games behind the first-place Brewers. Nationals, they've won two of their last 10. Uh, They are in... They're five games below 500. Yeah. Every, every time I get excited on them, then they let me down. <laughs> so I, you know, I don't watch them. I'm the, just a sore loser. <laughs> the good news here for the Nats is they're just, just six games out of first place instead of the Cubs being eight games out of first place. Yeah, well, we'll Crazy. come back when Strasburg, you know, our pitcher who helped us win a World Series, but yep. he's uh, very, uh, he's he's out a lot. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, I mean, Schwarber was out of the lineup with the hammies. So yes. And we miss him. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we, the, the, the Cubs missed him in June, too, okay? <laughs> I miss anybody that hit 16 home runs. Second half, Agri-Tar- here we come. Yeah, I'm Agritalk host Chip Flory. That is pro farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Uh, and Jim, before we look ahead, let's look back at some of last week's happening to make sure that we understand the signals that have been sent. Uh, sure. Well, first I want to talk about I was in uh, near Charlottesville, yeah. Virginia, Fishersville, 
Virginia, beautiful country, Chip. You would just simply love it. And I was at the cattle, you know, Virginia cattlemen's meeting. They had dairy, you know, you know, dairy producers as well. You know, you know, Brandon Reeves put on a great. It was a trade show. There were congressional staffers there. I met the Virginia uh, Department of Agriculture director and commissioner, so and they had a very good turnout and I had more than a few who listened to Signal to Noise or watch it and also AgriTalk. So had had a lot of representatives there. And it was it's always good to catch up uh, at the grassroots level. And they gave me feedback on, you know, on on the uh, uh, announcements that we got. But you know the interesting one that I may want you to comment on, Chip, is one cattle producer came up to me and said, you know, with the spread between cattle prices and the packers with JBS in both Brazil, big in Brazil and the U.S., you don't see the price spread in Brazil, but you do see it in the U.S. Why is that? Boy, that's that's a really good question. And, yeah. and I, I think it's probably got something to do with, with a couple of things. The rate of recovery from the pandemic low because we ramped our beef demand up so fast um, here in the States. And when you look at it domestically at the retail level, it, it never really, it, it only got better through through the pandemic. But when you bring the restaurant and the food service side of things back, Jim, you ramp that beef demand back so fast that the packers, the, the packer is the one that's gonna make the money off the beef. Uh, feed yards have gotta make the money off the cattle. And it, it still felt until maybe three weeks ago, it still felt like we were trying to get feed yards current. And mm. we've started to pull the weights back. And that that's a good sign that maybe we're starting to shift some of that leverage back to the feed yard. I'm not saying that it's a, you know a, a, a wholesale shift in that leverage, but maybe there's going to be a little bit of negotiating power for the feed yards in the in in the cattle market in the next next couple three weeks that that might make it a bit better yeah and uh almost everyone uh, uh liked the announcement of increased uh funding uh mm -hmm. for an expansion of the meat processing capacity uh that was well received down there chip yeah I, it's going to leave me a little concerned, Jim. Uh, I tell you, it, when you look at the drought and the heat that we talked about out in the West, and it's not just the West Coast, it's the, the Western one-third of the country, and, and the cow liquidation is real from North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, uh, over into California and up in the PNW, uh, the, cow, the beef cow liquidation is a real happening. Now that's yes. putting more product on the market. Yes. You would think that that would start to take some of the some of the shine off of the box beef market and maybe that's what has been behind the pullback in box beef prices. But long term, long term what are we doing? We're making smaller calf crops going forward and that first smaller calf crop when's it going to be available as as a market ready animal? Yeah. About about at the time when this expansion is going to be coming online. Hmm. So we're, we're going to have fewer market-ready animals at a time when we're expanding the industry. I, I hope that uh, I hope the funds yeah. are coming in for giveable grants 
rather than loans, Jim. Mm. Uh, because if it's a loan, it might be a hard to pay off. It's a for, if it's a forgivable grant, then we're going to bring expansion into the industry like crazy. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I told him it looks like short-term wolves here for the prices on the cattle market. But as you said, with lower uh, uh, you know, numbers ahead, that uh, at least the technicals are flashing that they could get higher prices. Well, well and the structure of the market, Jim, the structure yes. of the cattle market, I'm looking at it right here, the August contract 119 on Friday's close. Uh, the April 2022 contract is 138. Yes. So the, the structure of the market is already showing us that if demand can hold steady, our numbers are going to be coming back enough that it'll support uh, a much higher, much higher market for us uh, in, into the spring of, of 2022. But, you know, you, you mentioned the Friday reports. We had a big executive order from Biden and then separate USDA with Vilsack going to Council Bluffs, Iowa, you know, near Omaha. USDA is responsible, Chip, for one-fifth of the 72 specific points of action in that executive order. You know, that shows you the tilted side on the ag sector that they focused on. And I know their language, they told USDA to, quote, rejuvenate the livestock seed fertilizer, and retail food markets. So I didn't see much on the seed industry, and I got, uh, you know, several emails on that. So I'm going to, you know, you know, look into that this week. But we had a, a flurry of USDA announcements from Vilsack. Uh, we caught wind earlier on that he would announce at least $500 million and he did that. And then they you you know they announced even even more money for very small to medium plants. I would think those would be the locker plants, wouldn't you think? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're starting to get some comments and questions in, sure. so keep them coming. And if you're not familiar with how to do that, over on the right side of the page, your screen, uh, there is a comments tab. Go ahead and click on that and enter your comments there. I want to go to the one from Chad first here. Uh, do we know if the expansion program is going to be spread relatively uniformly across states? Well, USDA is out. You know, this isn't really going to start until after fiscal year 2022 begins, October 1. And trust me, it won't begin October 1. They're calling for basically public comment and information. So a quick answer to your question, if they do it right, it will be spread out. Okay. Uh, it, it, uh, so yes, I think so. Uh, Chad, drop me another message here and let me know how your, your bill in the Iowa house to support, uh, lockers is going, uh, is it, uh, I, I, I guess I never did get an update if it passed or what's the status of it. And because Jim, Chad's bill, and he's a house rep in okay. Iowa. Uh, Chad's bill in, in the Iowa House uh, would also provide some funding for uh, to, to take uh, meat cutting education to the community colleges and expand that hmm. so that you don't just have a guy like me that's, that, you know, walking off the street and saying, yeah, hey, I can cut meat. Yeah. You've got somebody that's actually educated in how to do it walking in there and saying, listen, here's my certificate. I, I, I can help you 
hope you do this. Well, that's getting back to the to the technical schools in the past that yeah. I think we're we were remiss not to continue with adequate funding. Right, exactly. Here's one from Robert. He says, if you know somebody that's trying to get into the cow calf operation besides USDA FSA loans, what kind of grants are out there for them? I think most of that grant is going to come from through a USDA agency of some sort, young farmer, a beginning farmer, loans and grants. I would think that that would be the primary spot. I don't think you're going to go to any of the organizations and find a lot of money that's going to help you get started in a cow-calf operation, is there? No, no, no. And, you know, Vilsack, it was very interesting. He announced the initiative on, you know, you know several after visiting the site of a planned $325 million cattle slaughter plant near Council Bluffs. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, that was with, I would think with private industry and maybe a government, uh, you know, you know, sponsorship to some, right. you know, degree. And then he toured the combination butcher shop and meat storage plant. So those were all signals, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Here's uh, the update from Chad says we are in the rules making process that passed unanimously funds should be available later this year. The education task force will begin soon. Well, more power to you because my father was a successful businessman and he kept on telling me we need the rise again of the technical schools because he had to educate for people working in his, you know, uh, you, you know, several of his businesses. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, are you a bit surprised that the source of the 500 million was from the leftovers from the American Rescue Plan? Yeah, that's interesting. What did that, does that mean they had, they took it from something, Chip? You know, I, I have no idea, Jim. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's all. Oh, I've got those questions uh, out there. Uh, there was some. There were some people signaling that they may tap the Commodity Credit Corporation. You know, they're replenished in the new, you know, fiscal year. So that could always be a fallback there. But I want to know if that's part of the uh, original four billion dollars, which it will be. They said. I, I want to know what, what you know. You know what the revisions were. And if there were groups, maybe I'm I'm just speculating here. Contract hog producers, part yeah. of it. Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Okay, I I, I want to go to this question from Mary Ross and, and uh, make sure that we get this included here. If dairy prices don't improve, would the culling of dairy animals affect this meat market? I'm going to jump in and say yes. If we get a fair amount of culling. But Jim, isn't there more help coming for the dairy uh, industry? Yeah, significant uh, help. Yeah. I should, uh, and that's what I told the dairy producers there. We had the what I called the milk dud lack of announcement by Billsack a few, <laughs> you know, weeks ago. They were supposed to announce anywhere from seven hundred. Now it's seven hundred twenty-five million to up to a billion dollars in uh indirect payments uh, you, you know chip but we have some others we have the milk donation program i'm looking at my chart to see i'll come up with it in a minute dairy what i told them down there uh we've well, got a series of you know you, you know payments coming out uh 
in the dairy sector. I mean, big time stuff here. We've got the dairy donation program. We got this, uh, you know, thing to deal with the cheese, the uh, uh, the increase in the cheese prices. How that affected what they got in their COVID-related payments. So they're they're going to have a differential payment coming out. So, uh, you know, as the government usually says, uh, help is on the way. Yeah. As the government normally says, and Mary's making a point of that, all talk, no action on dairy. That's not exactly true. The dairy industry has gotten a lot of payments. And and Jim, these payments are coming. Yes. Extra dairy payments, uh, $750 million to a billion. Uh, $580 uh, you know, million dollars in additional DMC payments are still pending. And the dairy donation program is still at the Office of Management and Budget as of this morning, and they're they're planned at four hundred million dollars. So, and yeah. then we're going to have a continuation of the new food box program. Uh, but I don't even know what they're calling it. But it's basically the same thing. So the the support is there, Chip. Uh, yeah, yeah, on the dollar side, I, you know, yeah. you know, to me, there's no doubt about it. And the old uh, food box program, it it played a role in creating those hugely negative PPDs, producer price differentials. Yes. And essentially what this next round of payments is designed to do is to replace that the, those the PPDs that didn't show up in the milk check. Yeah, it's, it's to pay for the um, um, unexpected development. Yeah, that we see yeah. what usually see when a policy well, is announced unintended consequences. Yep. And when that cheese price went through the roof, that's it created that big PPD. And I and talked to a, a number of cheese producers down there, individual independent cheese producers, and they were very happy of what's happening in their industry. Yep. Okay. So sure. Uh, USDA is going to revitalize the Packers and Stockyards Act to fight unfair practices and rebuild competitive marketplace. Uh, we've been through this before, but, the, the, you know, uh, uh, we're going to see, will there be teeth in it? See, what's the enforcement mechanism? And basically, that's what they're trying to put more teeth into the PNSA. Okay, so we're going to see, okay. you know. Uh, they want to address the what they called oppressive practices and chicken processing. That's their words, not mine. And, uh, you know, they're, they're good. If you can, it's, it's not even going to be necessary to demonstrate harm or likely harm to competition to establish a violation of that, you know, PNS, you know, Packers and Stockyards Act, uh, Chip. That's a major change. Right. And, you know, all these rules were put forth by the Obama administration, but they were revised or withdrawn by the Trump administration. So you can see they have to be implemented and it's going to take a while again. Yeah, very good. Very good. USDA is will also issue new rules on labeling so that domestic farmers and ranchers don't have to compete with foreign companies that mislead consumers. We're talking about the product of the USA label here, Jim. Yeah, but the word that, that jumped out at me, they, they're they asking USDA to consider issuing new rules defining when meat can bear product of USA labels. Not quite sure why they used consider, Chip. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure either there, but this, and we've talked about this before, this is a loophole. 
Uh, there's no way that we should be bringing in a carcass from any other country that was born, raised, and slaughtered in another country and then brought into the U.S., put a knife to it, do one more cut, package it, and call it a product of the USA. Yes. Yeah. The the overall message in the in the livestock and meat industry is, yes, we, we need more you know, processing capacity. You can argue how much more and in what structure. Yes, we need to deal with, you just said, the, 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 the silliness of that existing product of USA labels, because we, let's make it, you know, made and processed in, in, in America. So I, I think that those are the, are the good signs on this. All right. Um, that's enough looking back. I do want to mention that Jim is going to be with me on AgriTalk again this morning. And he's going to help me to summarize this. And he's going to be part of a conversation with Representative Cindy Axney out of the 3rd District of Iowa. She was on stage with Secretary Vilsack, traveled with him. We'll find out if if what the conversation was behind the scenes Absolutely. As, as this was taking place. Yeah, and her timeline on the implementation of some of these things and the important uh, votes coming up on the two-step process on traditional infrastructure yeah. and the human uh, you know, area of uh, uh, interest yep. infrastructure. They call it anti-poverty now. But I also want to ask her, Chip, and this is a news development, I understand in the House this week we could have introduced a, a WIP plus bill uh, for 2020 uh, crop, you know, disasters. Remember De Rachel and some other, uh, uh, you know, aspects in the Southeast U.S. and and uh, perhaps for 2021 as well. So I want to see if she's going to be part of that separate bill, and that I think will be included in a must-pass bill later this year, Jeff. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about that and how that whole process is going to get through. But first, let's take a look at what happened over the weekend. Sir Richard Branson and three Virgin Galactic employees went into space over the weekend. I'm just wondering if you're going to be on the ride with Jeff Bezos here in another eight days, Jim. I'm a very aggressive traveler, but I, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> if I'm going to go out in flames, it's going to be some other way. <laughs> the... the is is there any um is there any lasting impact of 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 the private industry getting into space now jim oh is there last oh well, it's more efficient uh and and the you're going to the technology gleaned from research of going into space, Chip. I mean, you you can count products. The 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 lineage of some of the most successful products began, in essence, with the initial trips to the moon. So yes, I'm in favor of exploration, no doubt about it, because of the the uh, spinoff uh, uh, effects yeah. of uh, of a host of areas that that keep us in the loop. Because China yeah, right. sees it as well now, and that's why they're. Uh, aggressive in space exploration, let alone what you learn in cyber warfare. Right, right. Yep, good, good perspective there. Yeah. John Kerry is in Moscow today. Yes, and that's, he was the first one to visit a Chinese official, and now he's the first one to visit a Russian official. Uh, I think that's the, you know, the initial signal here. And two, it's going to be interesting to see if he can get Russia to officially announce 
what they can do because their economy would feel the negative impacts if they, you know, really sign some of these, you know, dotted lines here. You would hope that the, he'd ask also about the cyber skullduggery that, that they're uh, obviously a part of. So uh, I, I think it's interesting that they're getting the global approach now because he's the global end of the climate change. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you said that the Senate returns this week, but the House doesn't. Um, they're out for another week. And yeah, well, the House is in what we call relatively the short period of time before before they go back on on recess again. Yeah, there's not much time. This is why I want to ask you, Representative Axney, what's the timeline here? Because the clock is ticking and the Senate uh, Majority Leader is already signaling to the senators, you know, uh, Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, that they may have to cut into their long August recess. That's tr traditionally used as a, as a saber rattler to get them to get going. But I think we're going to know within the, the next few weeks, Chip, whether or not they have the votes for the traditional infrastructure. And then they really have to work on the second part, that reconciliation bill that doesn't have much leeway. Uh, and they're going to have to throw some money at some of the far left Democrats. Yeah, they, to vote for it. They, they keep renaming that, that portion do. of the bill, the reconciliation portion of the bill, anti-poverty, human infrastructure. Are, are, are they just trying to find the name that that attracts the most support? You hit the nail on the head, yes. Uh, Anti-poverty is the more recent one that I've seen, you know, and these are words are important and they test all the time what works out, Chip. This is why uh, from a political stance, they did not like uh, liberal Democrats. That's why they came up with the term progressive Democrats. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. and the Republicans do the same. So, yeah, they're, they're testing this, but anti poverty must be working out for them. Okay, uh, Jim, we're we're getting long on time here, and and I there's one thing that I missed that I want to go back to that we got word of last week. China reduced their their reserve requirement ratio. Why? Well, their economy is uh, tempering right now, and they're nervous. Plus, they have a, several industries that are not doing well. So, and they don't really like their past history of these cuts, RRR cuts, reserve requirement ratios. Uh, they don't like to use this tool uh, when the economy is doing well. So that tells you the economy is not doing as well as they want. And uh, so uh, we're going to see it in their second quarter GDP, their economic data that we'll get this week. And uh, their easing cycle has started. So I, the analysts that I respect expect another uh, uh, cut of 50 basis points in the fourth quarter this year. So there's the signal I'm getting from industry analysts, Chip. All right. Uh, any other legislative initiatives that, that we need to be aware of, Jim? Watch this week. There's an undercurrent in town that there may be a separate bill introduced on ag-related broadband. So if that's the case, that's another one I want to ask, or I hope you ask, Representative uh, Axney. I don't know whether that's coming from the Senate or the House. So, uh, and that'll be probably rolled into one of these two, you know, mega bills. So we've got a potential update coming on, on uh, WIP Plus for 2020 and 2021. 
2021 and a very targeted ag related broadband uh you know bill going through the hopper chip so uh, I, I i i think that's a positive development okay very good very good uh and the last thing that we should really mention is we've got the supply and demand report out at 11 o'clock central time this morning. Yes. What what will they do? It looks like corn carryover will go lower, all things being equal, you know? Yeah, right. And what, what will they do on Brazil's corn production because of the repeated uh, problems they've had with the safrina crop or the, or the you know, winter crop? Uh, so we're going to see, and this is what the first survey estimate of spring wheat. So that's yes. going to be a focus as well. And, and an update on the winter wheat production, uh, winter yes. wheat crop as well. So yes, that first survey based estimate of the spring wheat crop, I think is going to be very interesting. It's going to be very revealing, uh, North Dakota in the last, um, uh, crop condition and, and crop progress report had 50, five, zero percent of that North Dakota crop in poor to very poor condition. The U.S. crop was 50% poor to very poor. So when when you start looking at numbers like that, you start wondering just how much we have already taken off the crop. The markets are reopened. Uh, they've been open here for another for about 15 minutes already. We've got corn that's trying to trade steady, just a little bit higher. Uh, some pressure on the July contract, but that's some delivery contract uh, issues going there. Uh, soybeans are three to seven cents higher. Soybean oil is trading to the upside again, Jim. And if I scroll just a little bit further down, oil is backed off of the overnight highs because with crude oil during the day session, crude oil is backed off. Those two markets are starting to trade together. We had a great conversation with Greg Anderson, who is a yeah. farmer from Eastern Nebraska, but he's also on the National Biodiesel Board. Had a great conversation with him last Wednesday on AgriTalk, the Farmer Forum, about uh, the development of those biodiesel and the renewable diesel markets. And Greg is coming back on tomorrow morning in the final segment because we didn't have time to get to the to the development of the aviation fuels. Yes. Okay, the bioaviation. This is a potential huge market. Because those the airlines they want to run from carbon as fast as they possibly can, as the the bio and renewable diesel, and and the renewable uh, aviation fuels, it's a huge market, huge market. And they'll have an, maybe an incentive re uh, relative to the coming climate change, uh, you know, provisions to do so. And that brings me up with my last thing I wanted to point out, Chip: child yeah. tax credits of up to $300 per child each month begins today. The IRS is sending the first round of payments. And you know, for 2021 only, the child tax credit uh, was increased from 2000 for each child age, uh, you know, 16 or under uh, to $3,600 per child for kids who five years or older and 3000 per uh, child for kids 16 to 17 years of age. Now there's, uh, there, there's, uh, you know, adjustments, you, you know, depending on income, but this is another cash infusion that I think the market may not be, you know, penciling in chip as far as a lot of money out there, but it also has the potential of keeping perhaps more, uh, workers in the homes, uh, yep. as well. Yeah, absolutely. When you when you look at that child tax credit coming your way and, and weigh it against what are some, I, I mean, 
we, we look at inflation in commodities. Well, if you want to spot inflation, go go look at what childcare costs compared, you know, this year compared to last year. Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. All right, Jim. Well, the best news that I've got for you this week, Jim, yeah. is that we don't have a game until Friday. It's all-star break. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best news I have for you, the best line I got down in Virginia is when I put up a point that said, you know, some restaurants want to be fancy and announce before you go in uh, that they don't serve any uh, meat. And I said, when I see those signs, I walk right back out and I got a pretty, you know, you know pretty big applause on that line. There you go. Good stuff, Jim. Hey, we're going to turn up the volume on what's happening in Washington, D.C., on AgriTalk at 10.05, 10.06 Central, and we'll get market updates at 2.06 Central in the afternoon. Uh, as I said, Jim's going to be with me this morning, conversation with Representative Cindy Axney from Iowa. Yeah, she's becoming a regular on AgriTalk. And she was she's a good Secretary. one, too. She's a good yeah, one. she was with Secretary Vilsack last week. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching sure. for those signals.